and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. My, 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 my name is David Cox. <laughs> and I'm Josh Matheson. I was expecting another carol when you started singing. I was like, oh, I don't know this one. <laughs> I was really panicking. I just, I, that just came out. It's bizarre. I honestly don't know about my brain sometimes. So this week we are looking at stave two of A Christmas Carol. Last week we had the scene set in by Dickens. We had Fred and Scrooge having their little disagreement at Scrooge's work about him coming to Christmas and just general merriment. And then Marley's ghost, which is Scrooge's old partner, comes and visits him at the house and basically says, if you continue down this path, you're going to end up like me in this purgatory ghost existence being tortured. And to help you realise the error of your ways, you're going to be visited by three spirits. And so I think, is there a title for this chapter, Josh? There is. Stave 2 is entitled, The First of the Three Spirits. Which I think everyone should know is the ghost of Christmas past. Brilliant. Yeah, that's not, a, that's not a secret. David, do you want to explain now or do you want to explain later the, the inspired creation that you've made in honour of this new book? Well, hopefully we've got quite a lot of people debutising that are listening to this series. But in the last one, I decided to start doing some creative garage band wizardry and experimentation. I have a very, very low, very, very, very low level. But the the caveat for all of the listeners is you get to enjoy my progress yeah. as a music producer of, of <laughs> a- amateur persuasion. Also, that I'm under like... I do not do any more than one take for all of them. Yeah. And I do come up with, like, I think oh, what no, people should flat. appreciate. I do come up. Yeah, you'll hear some sharpness and flatness and no doubt. <laughs> but what people need to realise, I'll, I'll press record and whatever comes up. The only thing with this one is I knew I had to do a different uh, voice for the different yeah. ghosts. So I'm, I'm going to play this now. I feel like this is a good place to, to play this. These are the ghosts. These are the ghosts. These are the ghosts. These are the ghosts. Christmas Wow, I mean, wow. It's a number one. I think Christmas number one. That's all I'm hearing. It's a hit. <clears throat> So just explain that. Is that is that the three different ghosts doing like their little announcements like Christmas past? Christmas past is through a megaphone. And imagine it being announced. Imagine Dickens announcing this is your past. Mm. And then I wanted Christmas future to be the sort of like techno sounding. This is your future, your Christmas future. <laughs> you know? I just so, say, is, as soon as I heard it, I was like, this sounds like something from the Mighty Boosh. This, yeah. This, like, straight up, like, Noel Fielding would be proud. Mighty Boosh has an almost improvisational element to it with the, um, what was it, scrimping? Crimping. Crimping, yeah. that's, yeah. So what comes out, comes out. You realise now just how much hard work, dedication and thought goes into 
artistic projects such as these. <laughs> that took me 10 minutes. I was going to say, yeah, artistic. <laughs> don't, yes. don't undermine <laughs> it with that. I mean, we're supposed to be promoting how good the arts can be, not how slapdash they Save are. Save the arts or take 10 minutes to do the arts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stave two, the first of the three spirits. When Scrooge awoke, it was so dark that looking out of bed he could scarcely distinguish the transparent window from the opaque walls of his chamber. He was endeavouring to pierce the darkness with his ferret eyes when the chimes of a neighbouring church struck the four quarters, so he listened for the hour. To his great astonishment, the heavy bell went on from six to seven and from seven to eight, and regularly up to twelve, then stopped. Twelve. It was past two when he went to bed. The clock was wrong. An icicle must have got into the works. Twelve. He touched the spring of his repeater to correct this most preposterous clock. Its rapid little pulse beat twelve and stopped. We were talking about how they were coming at the different times and then over different nights. And we were like, oh, it doesn't all happen in one night. But how does that work? Because then that means next day's Christmas Day and then Scrooge has missed it. And then the whole big thing of, oh, yeah, yeah, still- yeah. so this is how he's gotten around it. I'm guessing time, time warp. Time, yeah. yeah, time and space It's warp. the time warp. <laughs> it's the time warp. It's just, a, it's just <laughs> like... This, Scrooge this... in the room on his own. It's stockings. Oh, like... <laughs> so, David, we know what you'll be working on this week. <laughs> Why, it isn't possible, said Scrooge, that I can have slept through a whole day and far into another night. It isn't possible that anything has happened to the sun, and this is twelve at noon. The idea being an alarming one, he scrambled out of bed and groped his way to the window. He was obliged to rub the frost off with the sleeve of his dressing gown before he could see anything, and could see very little then. All he could make out was that it was still very foggy and extremely cold, and that there was no noise of people running to and fro and making a great stir, as there unquestionably would have been if night had beaten off bright day and taken possession of the world. I do enjoy reading old books and seeing how words have changed. No one would ever use the word he groped his way across the room. <laughs> but you know what he means exactly. It's that oh, no, like, I know exactly yeah. what he did. But like the semantics of that word have just been completely ruined now because of like our modern day mindset in terms of what that means. The word molest was, I think, the big red letters of Peter Pan. But it's more the fact that like, you know, grope and molest are only ever used when describing crimes. <laughs> yeah. This is why it kind of really like stands out as, oh, that's that's the wrong word to use there. <laughs> but I do find it fascinating with, like, that words come in and out of favour and actually some words can kind of come all the way back around again. I mean, yeah. if you think back to like, you know, Shakespeare would often have his characters refer to each other familiarly as like cuz. And then that's come come like come come full circle to like modern day London where people are like, what are you saying, cuz? Hey, Leontes, bro. Why are you so sad? But genuinely, like those sort of things have I find it fascinating, you know, the parallels between that. This was a great relief, 
because three days after sight of this first exchange paid to Mr Ebenezer Scrooge or his order, and so forth, would have become a mere United States security if there were no days to count by. Scrooge went to bed again, and thought, and thought, and thought it over and over and could make nothing of it. The more he thought, the more perplexed he was, and the more he endeavoured not to think, the more he thought. Marley's ghost bothered him exceedingly. Every time he resolved within himself, after mature inquiry that it was all a dream, his mind flew back again, like a strong spring released to its first position, and presented the same problem to be worked all through. Was it a dream or not? Scrooge lay in this state until the chime had gone three quarters more, when he remembered on a sudden that the ghost had warned him of a visitation when the bell tolled one. He resolved to lie awake until the hour was past, and considering that he could no more go to sleep than go to heaven, this was perhaps the wisest resolution in his power. The quarter was so long that he was more than once convinced he must have sunk into a doze unconsciously and missed the clock. At length it broke upon his listening ear, Ding! Dong! A quarter past, said Scrooge, counting. Ding! Dong! Half past, said Scrooge. Ding! Dong! A quarter to it, said Scrooge. Ding! Dong! The hour itself, said Scrooge triumphantly, and nothing else. Could I just say, I was quite upset that you didn't stop and let us give a voice to the clock. I'm really sorry. I want Would you... Ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted like a sexy clock. <laughs> Ding dong. Zing dong. <laughs> he spoke before the hour bell sounded, which it now did with a deep, dull, hollow, melancholy one. Light flashed up in the room upon the instant, and the curtains of his bed were drawn. The curtains of his bed were drawn aside, I tell you, by a hand. Ooh. Not the curtains at his feet, nor the curtains at his back, but those to with which his face was addressed. The curtains of his bed were drawn aside, and Scrooge, starting up into a half-recumbent attitude, found himself face to face with an unearthly visitor who drew them, as close to it as I am now to you, and I am standing in the spirit at your elbow. It was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man, viewed through some supernatural medium, which gave him the appearance of having receded from the view, and being diminished to a child's proportions. Its hair, which hung about his neck and down its back, was white, as if with age, and yet the face had not a wrinkle in it, and the tenderest bloom was on the skin. The arms were very long and muscular, the hands the same, as if its hold were of uncommon strength. Its legs and feet, most delicately formed, were like those upper members, bare. It wore a tunic of the purest white, and round its waist was bound a lustrous belt, the sheen of which was beautiful. It held a branch of fresh green holly in its hand, and in singular contradiction of that wintry emblem, 
had its dress trimmed with summer flowers. But the strangest thing about it was that from the crown of its head there sprung a bright, clear jet of light by which all this was visible, and which was doubtless the occasion of its using in its duller moments a great extinguisher for a cap which it now held under its arm. Even this, though when Scrooge looked at it with increasing steadiness, was not its strangest quality, for as its belt sparkled and glittered, now in one part and now in another, and what was light one instant at another time was dark, so the figure itself fluctuated in its distinctness, now being a thing with one arm, now with one leg, now with twenty legs, now a pair of legs without a head, now a head without a body, of which dissolving parts no outline would be visible in the dense gloom wherein they melted away. And in the very wonder of this, it would be itself again, distinct and clever as ever. I feel like I've been cheated in every adaption uh, because yeah. it's always just been a child. Yeah, with ginger hair. Yeah, like, and now yeah. I'm like, oh, it's this weird phasing spirit that seems to be yeah, super psychedelic spectre. I don't even know. My brain can't sort of compute all of those instructions. The muscular arms like threw me off as well. It's like, it, it sounds like a goblin. Yeah, I'm just imagining... Very uh, odd. Do you, do you remember in Toy Story, one of the toys that uh, Sid makes? Yeah. It's, just yeah. Like there's, yes. it's like a baby with like... It's like ripped. The yeah. big arms. Like, yeah, a diaper and baby legs and then like a stretch Armstrong top yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, I'm just going to have to go with that as my mental image. There you I go. Can't, yeah. And lock. <laughs> Are you the spirit, sir, whose coming was foretold to me? Asked Scrooge. And then the first spirit speaks for the first time. So we, we made a joke, I think, last season about dropping this voice in. And because of the proportions of this character, I think it might work. So how is your Dobby impression? Uh, can you give us a little... like? Yes, I, I mean, I can certainly try. Harry Potter, sir. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. Is that good? Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, okay. do that. Uh, Good. Uh, it's familiar. <laughs> He's kind I of mean, like an old man and a child, right? Technically, what we're doing right now is we're casting directors. Could you imagine a casting director walking to the BBC going, we want to do A Christmas Carol. Oh, okay, great. So who have you got for Scrooge? Victor Melch. <laughs> okay, that's not too hard a push. Hugo from Vicar Dibley as Frederick. Okay, now that works. Okay, Dobby the house elf. <laughs> <laughs> And we're done. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> okay, you ready for this? Go oh, for it. Yeah. Are you the spirit, sir, whose coming was foretold to me? Asked Scrooge. I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> the voice was soft and gentle, singularly low, as if instead of being so close behind him, it were at a distance. Who and what are you? Scrooge demanded. I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? inquired Scrooge, observant of its dwarfish stature. No, your past. Perhaps Scrooge could not have told anybody why, if anybody could have asked him, but he had a special desire to see the spirit in his cap and begged him to be covered. What? exclaimed the ghost. 
Would you so soon put out with worldly hands the light I give? It is not enough that you are one of those whose passions made this cap and forced me through whole trains of years to wear it low upon my brow. Scrooge reverently disclaimed all intention to offend or any knowledge of having willfully bonneted the spirit for any period of his life. He then made bold to inquire what business brought him there. Your welfare, said the ghost. Scrooge expressed himself much obliged, but could not help thinking that a night of unbroken rest would have been more conducive to that end. The spirit must have heard him thinking, for it said immediately, Your reclamation, then, take heed. It put out its strong hand as it spoke, and clasped him gently by the arm. Rise and walk with me. It would have been in vain for Scrooge to plead that the weather and the hour were not adapted to pedestrian purposes. That bed was warm, and the thermometer a long way below freezing. That he was clad but lightly in his slippers, dressing-gown and nightcap, and that he had a cold upon him at that time. The grasp, though gentle as a woman's hand, was not to be resisted. He rose but finding that the spirit made toward the window, clasped his robe in supplication. I am a mortal, Scrooge remonstrated, and liable to fall. (laughs) (laughs) He's right. Like You wouldn't just be like, yeah, let's go. Bear but a touch of my hand there, said the spirit, laying it upon his heart, and you shall be upheld in more than this. As the words were spoken, They passed through the wall and stood upon an open country road with fields on either hand. The city had entirely vanished. Not a vestige of it was to be seen. The darkness and the mist had vanished with it, for it was a clear, cold winter day with the snow upon the ground. Good heaven, said Scrooge, clasping his hands together as he looked about him. I was bred in this place. I was a boy here. He was just a piece of hovist. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bread, a, pe- a slice of bread in this I place. I was just a young baguette. <laughs> the spirit gazed upon him mildly. Its gentle touch, though it had been light and instantaneous, appeared still present to the old man's sense of feeling. He was conscious of a thousand odours floating in the air, each one connected with a thousand thoughts and hopes and joys and cares long, long forgotten. Your lip is trembling, said the ghost. And what is that upon your cheek? Scrooge muttered, with an unusual catching in his voice, that it was a pimple, and begged the ghost to lead him where he would. You recollect the way? inquired the spirit. "'Remember it?' cried Scrooge with fervour. "'I could walk it blindfold.' "'Strange to have forgotten it for so many years,' observed the ghost. "'Let us go on.' So wait, when he says it's a pimple, is he talking about the old him, like the teenage him, not the actual him now? Uh, no, I think he's got a tear on his cheek and he's... Oh, he's trying to pass it off as, of, as a spot yeah. of all the things. Of all oh, the things. Oh, snow fell on my cheek. 
much more believable. Oh, I've yeah. got dust in my eye. Much more yeah. believable. The no, classic I've got dust time dust. <laughs> it's a bit, bit of time yeah. dust, yeah. They walked along the road, Scrooge recognising every gate and post and tree, until a little market town appeared in the distance, with its bridge, its church and winding river. Some shaggy ponies now were seen trotting toward them, with boys upon their backs, who called to other boys in country gigs and carts driven by farmers. All these boys were in great spirits, and shouted to each other, until the broad fields were so full of merry music that the crisp air laughed to hear it. "'These are but shadows of the things they have been,' said the ghost. "'They have no consciousness of us.' The jocund travellers came on, and as they came Scrooge knew and named them every one. Why was he rejoiced beyond all bounds to see them? Why did his cold eye glisten and his heart leap up as they went past? Why was he filled with gladness when he heard them give each other Merry Christmas as they parted at crossroads and byways for their several homes? What was Merry Christmas to Scrooge? Out upon Merry Christmas... What good had it ever done him? The school is not quite deserted, said the ghost. A solitary child neglected by his friends is left there still. Scrooge said he knew it, and he sobbed. They left the high road by a well-remembered lane, and soon approached a mansion of dull red brick, with a little weathercock surmounted cupola on the roof, and a bell hanging in it. It was a large house, but one of broken fortunes, for the spacious offices were little used, their walls were damp and mossy, their windows broken, and their gates decayed. Fowls clucked and strutted in the stables, and the coach-houses and sheds were overrun with grass. Nor was it more retentive of its ancient state within, for entering the dreary hall and glancing through the open doors of many rooms, they found them poorly furnished, cold and vast. There was an earthly savour in the air, a chilly bareness in the place, which associated itself somehow with too much getting up by candlelight and not too much to eat. They went, the ghost and Scrooge, across the hall to a door at the back of the house. It opened before them and disclosed a long, bare, melancholy room made barer still by lines of plain-deal forms and desks. At one of these was a lonely boy, who was reading near a feeble fire, and Scrooge sat down upon a form, and wept to see his poor forgotten self, as he had used to be. So is he like an orphan or something, like that it doesn't have a home to go to, or...? I think it's like a, you've got to stay at Hogwarts for Christmas vibe. Yeah, but Harry was an orphan. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but like it's it's like a, he's got no home to go back to, or the home is not he's not welcome back at. Yeah, I, I'm getting that vibe. Like I've got to stay at school where all my friends get to. Mm. Where his parents <clears throat> killed by a wicked wizard. <laughs> Perhaps let's find out, shall we? <laughs> not a latent echo in the house. Not a squeak and scuffle from the mice behind the panelling. Not a drip from the half-thawed water spout in the dull yard behind. Not a sigh among the leafless boughs of one despondent poplar. Not the idle swinging of an empty storehouse door. No, not a clicking in the fire. 
but fell upon the heart of Scrooge with softening influence and gave a freer passage to his tears. The spirit touched him on the arm and pointed to his younger self, intent upon his reading. Suddenly a man in foreign garments, wonderfully real and distinct to look at, stood outside the window, with an axe stuck in his belt, and leading by the bridle an ass laden with wood. What does foreign garments mean? I'm ready like dressed as a Frenchman. So that's great. exactly what I had in my head. Was, Did you? Is he, what is he wearing? Like a beret and a garlic thing and a cigarette? Like what? Bonjour, but Monsieur then, Scrooge. <laughs> but then they said the axe, and I was like, oh, maybe he's a Viking. He's just walking along with like horned, <laughs> horned helmet on or something. I was like, what would you mean by foreign garments? I mean, really, Charles Dickens, foreign I'm garments. foreign is in like alien or other rather than like something that's not not wearing a school uniform i think is probably what he means why it's alibaba was that his hairdresser (laughs) (laughs) scrooge exclaimed in ecstasy it's dear old honest alibaba yes yes i know one Christmas time, when yonder solitary child was left here all alone, he did come for the first time just like that. Poor boy. And Valentine, said Scrooge. And his wild brother, Orson, there they go. And what's his name, who put down in his drawers asleep at the gate of Damascus? Don't you see him? And the Sultan's groom turned upside down by the genie. There he is upon his head. Serve him right, I'm glad of it. What business had he to be married to the princess? To hear Scrooge expending all the earnestness of his nature on such subjects, in a most extraordinary voice between laughing and crying, and to see his heightened and excited face, would have been a surprise to his business friends in the city indeed. There's the parrot! cried Scrooge, green body and yellow tail, with a thing like a lettuce growing out of the top of his head. There he is, poor Robin Crusoe, he called him, when he came home again after sailing round the island. Poor Robin Crusoe, where have you been, Robin Crusoe? The man thought he was dreaming, but he wasn't. It was a parrot, you know. There goes Friday, running for his life to the little creek. Hello! Hoop! Hello! Then, with a rapidity of transition very foreign to his usual character, he said, in pity for his former self, Poor boy, and cried again. I don't. What's happening? Well, I think he's just seeing, like, people from his past, and it's just kind of... No, I think this is things from the story that his younger self is reading. The characters from his story are just sort of wandering around outside. But maybe it's because that's who he remembers. Because if you see, if he spent the whole Christmas on his own, he's probably spent the whole Christmas reading with his. With there was characters. no Christmas TV uh, yeah. or anything. Like, you know, there's no one to play board games with because you're there alone. So it probably is the case that like his Christmases used to just be spent with these characters that don't exist in his own head. I wish Scrooge muttered, putting his hand in his pocket and looking about him after drying his eyes with his cuff. But it's too late now. What is the matter? asked the spirit. Nothing, said Scrooge. Nothing. There was a boy singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. I should like to have given him something, that's all. The ghost smiled thoughtfully and waved its hand, saying, 
as it did so. Let us see another Christmas. Scrooge's former self grew larger at the words, and the room became a little darker and more dirty. The panels shrunk, the windows cracked, fragments of plaster fell out of the ceiling, and the naked lathes were shown instead. And how all this was brought about, Scrooge knew no more than you do. He only knew that it was quite correct, that everything had happened so, that there he was, alone again, when all the other boys had gone home for the jolly holidays. He was not reading now, but walking up and down despairingly. Scrooge looked at the ghost, and with a mournful shaking of his head, glanced anxiously towards the door. It opened, and a little girl, much younger than the boy, came darting in, and putting her arms about his neck, and often kissing him, addressed him as her dear, dear brother. And then this little girl uh, speaks. This is his little Scrooge's sister. sister? Little sister, yeah. Can she be like the cool one? How you know, so? like when younger siblings like are more popular than their older loser. So can she be like an it girl? Angelica from the Rugrats. Oh, just, yeah, but you know, like, oh my God. Yeah, okay. And kind of like holds the kind of words. Yeah. Kind of a Goes little bit longer. <laughs> so no. me and Stacey <laughs> were out last night. And yeah, anyway, Chad comes of... over, and I'm like, okay, I'm so not interested, but like, of course, I am interested. I don't want him to know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, okay. Imagine, like, you only ever have 30% of her attention when you're talking to her because she's tweeting and simultaneously selfieing uh-huh. and chewing some bubble. Yeah. All, yeah, all at the same time. There's a bit of vocal fry as well. Yes. Okay, okay. Yes, there has For to sure. Be vocal fry. For, I can do that. Okay. I have come to bring you home, dear brother, said the child, clapping her tiny hands and bending down to laugh. To bring you home, home, home. (laughs) And does young Scrooge have a different voice? I mean... Yeah, maybe just try and make him sound less bitter. Okay. Home, little fan, returned the boy. Yeah, said the child, brimful of glee. Home for good and all. Home for ever and ever. And ever and ever. And ever. <laughs> I want to be forever and ever. <laughs> ever and ever. Right? <laughs> Father is so much kinder than he used to be. That home's like heaven. He spoke so gently to me one dear night when I was like going to bed that I was not afraid to ask him once more if you might come home. And he said, yes, you should, and sent me in a coach to bring you. And you're going to be a man, said the child, opening her eyes, and are never to come back here. But first, we're to be together all the Christmas long and uh, have the merriest time in all the world. So he isn't an orphan, but dad obviously didn't. Isn't isn't a fan of Scrooge. Ironically, as his sister's called fan. Uh, oh really? <laughs> <laughs> what a name. You are quite a woman, little fan, exclaimed the boy. She clapped her hands and laughed, 
and tried to touch his head, but being too little, laughed again and stood on tiptoe to embrace him. Then she began to drag him in her childish eagerness toward the door, and he, nothing loath to go, accompanied her. A terrible voice in the hall cried, It's the trunchbull. But what does she sound like? You little twerp. You are worms. Wormwood. Okay. A terrible voice in the hall cried, Bring down Master Scrooge's box there. And in the hall appeared the schoolmaster himself, who glared on Master Scrooge with a ferocious condescension and threw him into a dreadful state of mind by shaking hands with him. He then conveyed him and his sister into the veriest old well of a shivering best parlour that was ever seen, where the maps upon the wall and the celestial and terrestrial globes in the windows were waxy with cold. Here he produced a decanter of curiously light wine, and a block of curiously heavy cake, and administered instalments of those dainties to the young people, at the same time sending out a meagre servant to offer a glass of something to the postboy, who answered that he thanked the gentleman, but if it was the same tap as he had tasted before, he had rather not. Master Scrooge's trunk, being by this time tied on top of the chaise, the children bade the schoolmaster good-bye right willingly, and getting into it, drove gaily down the garden sweep, the quick wheels dashing the hoar-frost and snow from off the dark leaves of the evergreens like spray. "'Always a delicate creature whom a breath might have withered,' said the ghost. "'But she had a large heart.' "'So she had,' cried Scrooge. "'You're right. I will not gainsay it, spirit, God forbid.' "'She died a woman.' said the ghost, and had, as I think, children. One child, Scrooge returned. True, said the ghost, your nephew. Scrooge seemed uneasy in his mind and answered briefly, yes. Fanny is Fred's mum. That's ah. right. Do you reckon everyone on that side's names begin with F? They call that family the fan club. The fan club. Although they had but that moment left the school behind them, they were now in the busy thoroughfares of a city, where shadowy passengers passed and repassed, where shadowy carts and coaches battled for the way, and all the strife and tumult of a real city were. It was made plain enough, by the dressing of the shops, that here too it was Christmas time again, but it was evening, and the streets were lighted up. The ghost stopped at a certain warehouse door and asked Scrooge if he knew it. Know it, said Scrooge. Was I apprenticed here? They went in. At sight of an old gentleman in a Welsh wig, sitting behind such a high desk that if he had been two inches taller he must have knocked his head against the ceiling, Scrooge cried in great excitement. Why, it's old Fezziwig! "'Bless his heart, it's Fezziwig alive again!' Old Fezziwig laid down his pen and looked up at the clock, which pointed to the hour of seven. He rubbed his hands, adjusted his capacious waistcoat, laughed all over himself from his shoes to his organ of benevolence and called out in a comfortable, oily, rich, fat, jovial voice, 
I love it. It's just that like he laughed all over himself. I like, love what? that. <laughs> I've just been laughing all over <laughs> Yeah. We should Very laugh all over weird. ourselves much more often, I think. We haven't got any regional accents in there so far. Everyone's been London. And I feel like something big and jovial could be something from a different region. Can you make him Welsh? Can you make him really Welsh? Like a bit Ah, he's got a Welsh wig on and he loves talking in a very roundabout way with a pint of ale with him the whole time. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, a large, comfortable, oily, rich, fat, jovial Welshman. <laughs> <laughs> yo there, Ebenezer Dick! <laughs> Is that, there's two characters. He's saying hello to two people at once. Oh, right. Just so we're clear I on that. I thought he was being rude. Yeah, just <laughs> calling him one. He's like, hello there, Ebenezer Dick. There okay. Okay. <laughs> Scrooge's former self, now grown a young man, came briskly in, accompanied by his fellow prentice. Dick Wilkins, to be sure, said Scrooge to the ghost. Bless me, yes, there he is. He was very much attached to me, was Dick. Poor Dick, dear, dear. Yo-ho, my boys, said Fezziwig. No more work tonight. Christmas Eve, Dick. Christmas, Ebenezer. Let's have the shutters up cried old Fezziwig, with a sharp clap of his hands, before a man can save Jack Robinson. You wouldn't believe how those two fellows went at it. They charged into the street with the shutters, one, two, three, had em up in their places, four, five, six, barred em and pinned em up, seven, eight, nine, and came back before you would have got to twelve, panting like racehorses. Hilly-haw! cried old Fezziwig, skipping down from the high desk with wonderful agility. Clear away, my lads, and let's have lots of room there. Hilly-ho, Dick! Chirrup, Ebenezer! Clear away? There was nothing that wouldn't have cleared away, or couldn't have cleared away, with old Fezziwig looking on. It was done in a minute. Every movable was packed off, as if it were dismissed from public life forevermore. The floor was swept and watered, the lamps were trimmed, fuel was heaped upon the fire, and the warehouse was as snug and warm and dry and bright a ballroom as you would desire to see upon a winter's night. In came a fiddler with a music book, and went up to the lofty desk and made an orchestra of it, and tuned like fifty stomachaches. In came Mrs. Fezziwig, one vast substantial smile, in came three Miss Fezziwigs, beaming and lovable. In came those six young followers whose hearts they broke. In came all the young men and women employed in the business. In came the housemaid with her cousin, the baker. In came the cook with her brother's particular friend, the milkman. In came the boy from over the way who was suspected of not having bored enough from his master, trying to hide himself behind the girl from next door but one who was proved to have her ears pulled by her mistress. In they all came, one after the other, some shyly, some boldly, some gracefully, some awkwardly, some pushing, some pulling. In they all came, anyhow and everyhow. 
Away they all went, twenty couple at once, hands half round and back again the other way, down the middle and up again, round and round in various stages of affectionate grouping. Old top couples always turning up in the wrong place, new top couples starting off again as soon as they got there, all top couples at last and not a bottom one to help them. So this is this is barn dancing, isn't it? I yeah. think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I liked the um, sentence of tuning like a stomachache. <laughs> That was yeah. You could, you could that was a really a good like yeah. I like that. I really enjoyed that. When this result was brought about, old Fezziwig, clapping his hands to stop the dance, cried out, "Well done!" And the fiddler plunged his hot face into a pot of porter, especially provided for that purpose. <laughs> good on him. But scorning rest upon his reappearance, he instantly began again, though there were no dancers yet as if the other fiddler had been carried home exhausted on a shutter, and he were a brand new man resolved to beat him out of sight or perish. There were more dances, and there were forfeits, and more dances, and there was cake, and there was negus, and there was a great piece of cold roast, and there was a great piece of cold boiled, and there were mince pies and plenty of beer. But the great effect of the evening came after the roast and boiled, when the fiddler, an artful dog, mind, the sort of man who knew his business better than you or I could have told him, struck up Sir Roger de Coverley. Then old Fezziwig stood out to dance with Mrs Fezziwig. Top couple, too, with a good stiff piece of work cut out for them, three or four and twenty pair of partners, people who were not to be trifled with, people who would dance and had no notion of walking. But if they had been twice as many, ah, four times, old Fezziwig would have been a match for them, and so would Mrs Fezziwig. As to her, she was worthy to be his partner in every sense of the term. If that's not high praise, tell me higher, and I'll use it. A positive light appeared to issue from Fezziwig's calves. They shone in every part of the dance like moons. You couldn't have predicted at any given time what would become of them next. And when old Fezziwig and Mrs Fezziwig had gone all through the dance, advance and retire, both hands to your partner, bow and curtsy, corkscrew, thread the needle and back again to your place, Fezziwig cut, cut so deftly that he appeared to wink with his legs and came upon his feet again without a stagger. I don't understand how everyone at this time used to know these dances. Well, it was the only form of entertainment, wasn't it? Exactly. You'd have to have someone sit there and teach them to you. You couldn't just stand on the side and learn them. I think you learn it at school. I think they they used to do it in school. Yeah, yeah. When the clock struck 11, this domestic ball broke up. Mr and Mrs Fezziwig took their stations, one on either side of the door, and shaking hands with every person, individually as he or she went out, wished him or her a Merry Christmas. When everybody had retired but the two prentices... They did the same to them, and thus the cheerful voices died away, and the lads were left to their beds, which were under a counter in the back shop. During the whole of this time, Scrooge had acted like a man out of his wits. His heart and soul were in the scene, and with his former self. He corroborated everything, remembered everything, enjoyed everything, and underwent the strangest agitation. It was not until now, when the bright faces of his former self and Dick were turned from them, that he remembered the ghost and became conscious that it was looking full upon him, while the light upon his head burnt very clear. 
a small matter, said the ghost, to make these silly folk so full of gratitude. Small, echoed Scrooge. The spirit signed to him to listen to the two apprentices, who were pouring out their hearts in praise of Fezziwig, and when he had done so, said, Why, is it not? He has spent but a few pounds of your mortal money, three or four pounds, perhaps. Is that so much that he deserves this praise? It isn't that, said Scrooge, heated by the remark and speaking unconsciously like his former, not his latter self. It isn't that, spirit. He has the power to render us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or burdensome, a pleasure or a toil. Say that his power lies in words and looks, in things so slight and insignificant that it is impossible to add and count them up. What then? The happiness he gives is quite as great as if he cost a fortune. He felt the spirit's glance and stopped. What is the matter? asked the ghost. Nothing in particular, said Scrooge. Something, I think, the ghost insisted. No, said Scrooge. No, I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now, that's all. His former self turned down the lamps as he gave utterance to the wish, and Scrooge and the ghost again stood side by side in the open air. My time grows short, observed the spirit. Quick! This was not addressed to Scrooge, or to anyone whom he could see, but it produced an immediate effect. For again, Scrooge saw himself. He was older now, a man in the prime of life. His face had not the harsh and rigid lines of later years, but it had begun to wear the signs of care and avarice. There was an eager, greedy, restless motion in the eye, which showed the passion that had taken root, and where the shadow of the growing tree would fall. He was not alone, but sat by the side of a fair young girl in a mourning dress, in whose eyes there were tears which sparkled in the light that shone out of the ghost of Christmas past. And then this woman who he's sitting with speaks. A melancholy young woman. She's in a mourning dress, that's all we really know of her. She's fair and she's in mourning. Yeah, I think, isn't her name like Belle or something? I think you're right there, yeah. We make her moaning myrtle. (laughs) We're going down a potterish theme this evening. Every time there's a full stop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm down with that. I don't think, she doesn't stay in the story long, so she won't get annoying. So do it. I've got to just see if I can embrace my inner. Someone thought it would be a good idea to throw a book at me. Is that the sort of thing? Yeah, that would do. Just every now and give me a... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It matters little, (laughs) she said softly. (laughs) To you, very little. Another idol has displaced me. (laughs) And if it can cheer and comfort you in time to come as I would have tried to, I have no just cause to grieve. (laughs) (laughs) What idol has displaced you? He rejoined. A golden one, 
This is the even-handed dealing of the world, he said. There is nothing on which it is so hard as poverty, and there is nothing it professes to condemn with such severity as the pursuit of wealth. You feared the world too much, she answered gently. All your other hopes have merged into the hope of being beyond the chance of its sordid reproach. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until the master passion gain engrosses you, have I not? What then? he retorted. Even if I have grown so much wiser, what then? I'm not changed toward you. She shook her head. Am I? Our contract is an old one. (laughs) It was made when we were both poor and content to be so until in a good season we could improve our fortune by our patient industry. (laughs) You are changed. When it was made, you were another man. (laughs) (laughs) I was a boy he said impatiently. Your own feelings tells you that you were not what you were. (laughs) She, She returned. I am that which promised happiness when we were one in heart is fraught with misery now that we are two. How often and how keenly I have thought of this, I will not say it is enough that I have thought of it and can release you. Have I... Ever sought release? In words, no, never. Mm. (laughs) In what, then? In a changed nature. In an altered spirit. In another atmosphere of life. Another hope as its great end. In everything that made my love of any worth or value in your sight. If this has never been between us, said the girl looking mildly but with steadiness upon him. Tell me, would you seek me out and try to win me now? Ah, no! (laughs) What is obviously meant to be very significant about this character is that she's very switched on and has noticed this massive change in Scrooge as a person since he's become covetous and money-obsessed and money-orientated. I'm enjoying the fact that Dickens has made it so that this girl, quote-unquote, is actually very switched on. And not only switched on, but brave enough to confront him on his change as well. And that's kind of nice because it's like he's actually given a female character who has wants, who has a drive, and who isn't scared to act on that. Mm Mm-hmm. So many like unformed female characters and female roles are kind of like a bit namby pamby and everything. And I always almost feel a bit bad because we've given her a namby pamby voice. I know. But she's actually a very strong female character. <laughs> and I'm kind of like judging myself silently. <laughs> he seemed to yield to the justice of this supposition in spite of himself. But he said with a struggle. You think not. I would gladly think otherwise if I could, she answered. Heaven knows when I have learned a truth like this, I know how strong and irresistible it must be. 
But if you were free today, tomorrow, yesterday, can even I believe that you would choose a dowerless girl who you, in your very confidence with her, weigh everything by gain or choosing her if for a moment you were false enough to your one guiding principle to do so, do I not know that your repentance and regret would surely follow? I do, and I release you with a full heart for the love of him you once were. He was about to speak, but with her head turned from him, she resumed. You may, the memory of what is past half makes me hope you will, have pain in this. A very, very brief time, and you will dismiss the recollection of it gladly as an unprofitable dream from which it happened well that you awoke. May you be happy in the life you have chosen. She left him and they parted. Spirit, said Scrooge, show me no more. Conduct me home. Why do you delight to torture me? One shadow more, exclaimed the ghost. <laughs> show me no more. No, there's one more. <laughs> Sorry. No more cried Scrooge. No more. I don't wish to see it. Show me no more. But the relentless ghost pinioned him in both his arms and forced him to observe what happened next. They were in another scene and place, a room not very large or handsome, but full of comfort. Near to the winter fire sat a beautiful young girl, so like that last that Scrooge believed it was the same, until he saw her now a comely matron, sitting opposite her daughter. The noise in this room was perfectly tumultuous, for there were more children there than Scrooge in his agitated state of mind could count, and unlike the celebrated herd in the poem, they were not forty children conducting themselves like one, but every child was conducting itself like forty and consequences were uproarious beyond belief, but no one seemed to care. On the contrary, the mother and daughter laughed heartily and enjoyed it very much, and the latter, soon beginning to mingle in the sports, got pillaged by the young brigands most ruthlessly. What would I not have given to be one of them? Though I never could have been so rude, no, no, I wouldn't, for the wealth of all the world, have crushed that braided hair and torn it down. And for the precious little shoe, I wouldn't have plucked it off, God bless my soul, to save my life. As to measuring her waist in sport, as they did, bold young brood, I couldn't have done it. I should have expected my arm to have grown round it for a punishment and never come straight again. And yet I should have dearly liked... I own, to have touched her lips, to have questioned her, that she might have opened them, to have looked upon the lashes of her downcast eyes and never raised a blush, to have let loose waves of hair, an inch of which would be a keepsake beyond price. In short, I should have liked, I do confess, to have had the lightest licence of a child and yet to have been made man enough to know its value. But now... So I'm that's not... him, like... That's Dickens. Lusting over her, right? He fancies the character in his book, I think. Yeah. It's probably definitely based upon a 
childhood sweet. Yeah, I was kind of thinking, and and even despite that, I would have loved to have given her one. Kind of way going with it, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> but now a knocking at the door was heard. And such a rush immediately ensued that she, with laughing face and plundered dress, was borne towards it in the centre of a flushed and boisterous group, just in time to greet the father, who came home attended by a man laden with Christmas toys and presents. Then the shouting and the struggling and the onslaught that was made on the defenceless porter the scaling him with chairs for ladders, to dive into his pockets, bespoil him of brown paper parcels, hold on tight by his cravat, hug him round the neck, pummel his back, and kick his legs in irresistible affection. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone's kicked anyone's leg affectionately. Love you. (laughs) (laughs) You can do an affectionate, like, punch on the arm, yeah. Maybe he's got the wrong end of the stick. Basically, this description is just these kids have seen presents and just seen and red like, and just ah! gone for it. <laughs> they just can't. They can't cope. So they're like no. outing their anger, just going like. They, they've had one I'm too so many candles. <laughs> just like one bites his hand off, like the other one, like. <laughs> <laughs> one boots the cat out of the window. Like. <laughs> oh, kids are terrors. kids are terrors the shouts of wonder and delight with which the development of every package was received the terrible announcement that the baby had been taken in the act of putting a doll's frying pan into his mouth and was more than suspected of having swallowed a fictitious turkey glued on a wooden platter the (laughs) immense relief of finding this a false alarm the joy and gratitude and ecstasy They are all indescribable alike. It is enough that by degrees the children and their emotions got out of the parlour and by one stair at a time up to the top of the house where they went to bed and so subsided. And now Scrooge looked on more attentively than ever when the master of the house, having his daughter leaning fondly on him, sat down with her and her mother at his own fireside and when he thought that such another creature quite as graceful and as full of promise, might have called him father, and been a springtime in the haggard winter of his life, his sight grew very dim indeed. And then the uh, the husband that has come home, that's, so this man who's come home with all the presents is the husband we make him like that did marry Geordie, Belle. Just really happy and joy because she's really... yeah because she's gone to the opposite of Scrooge. So he's like very money focused and he's that, and I want him to be like really family he's a, focused, a family man, really happy. Absolutely, and I, just, I like the whole kind of like you know she she wasn't interested in in inheritance and dowries and or so she was interested in someone who just kind of like worked for their family. Yeah, so I, I reckon like doing him more kind of like earthy oh, homely and, yeah yeah homely and thing. but i, I want to i'm i'm just conscious that everybody's been london so far so i'm like trying to get some I like regions it. I in like that it. work <clears throat> as well i'm gonna start touring the region yeah a couple of staves hmm. bell said the husband turning to his wife with a smile i saw an old friend of yours this afternoon <gasps> who was it guess how can i <laughs> i like, didn't go <coughs> <laughs> She's still crying. Well, yeah, years, maybe later. don't do cries, but do the hmm. 
Hmm, how can I? Tut, I don't know, she added in the same breath, laughing as he laughed. Mr Scrooge? Mr Scrooge it was. I passed his office window and it was not shut up and he had a candle inside. I could scarcely help seeing him. His partner lies upon the point of death, I hear, and there he is, sat alone. Quite alone in the world, I do believe. I'm just imagining like Marley in the office with like a drip in one arm and like a life support machine in the back, just in an iron lung, like still trying to do a <gasps> Spirit, said Scrooge in a broken voice, remove me from this place. I told you these were shadows of the things that have been, said the ghost. That they are what they are. Do not blame me. Remove me, Scrooge exclaimed. I cannot bear it. He turned upon the ghost, and seeing that it looked upon him with a face in which in some strange way there were fragments of all the faces it had shown him, wrestled with it. Leave me. Take me back. Haunt me no longer. In the struggle if that can be called a struggle in which the ghost with no visible resistance on its own part was undisturbed by any effort of its adversary. Scrooge observed that its light was burning high and bright, and dimly connecting that with its influence over him, he seized the extinguisher cap and by a sudden action pressed it down upon its head. The spirit dropped beneath it so that the extinguisher covered its whole form, but though Scrooge pressed it down with all his force, he could not hide the light, which streamed from under it in an unbroken flood upon the ground. He was conscious of being exhausted and overcome in an irresistible drowsiness and further of being in his own bedroom. He gave the cap a parting squeeze in which his hand relaxed. He had barely time to reel to bed before he sank into a heavy sleep. End of chapter. Steve. <laughs> so a, a very nice look at Scrooge's past then and where he's come from. So he's obviously from an unhappy home. Well, as in somebody who, a father who doesn't really want him around was quite happy to ship yeah. him off to school. I mean, I'd, I'd say that's an unhappy home. Uh, yeah. It's not technically a broken home. I mean, he doesn't really mention Scrooge's mother. But it's so going to explain a lot. It's going to explain why his... He's doomed from the outset because he's just learned not mm. to trust or to love. He didn't have a Mr. Fe- Fezziwig as a father. So yeah. I think that, that, that has sort of jaded him right from the off. And is there also maybe a thing of like trying to prove to daddy that you're worthy or trying to prove to daddy you've made a success of yourself? Do you know I think I mean there probably well? is that for sure. Yeah. As a bit of an undercurrent. I mean, I'm tempted to make the comparison between sort of Donald Trump and his father, mm-hmm. and that kind of there's definitely some. Do you know what I mean? Massive like, daddy. That, that idea of I just you know I need to I I have to win I have to be the the best I have to follow well, his in his dad footsteps. Taught him that if you're not a winner, you're nobody. Exactly. Narcissism, narcissism. Yeah. If your daddy is a turd. <laughs> <laughs> what I found quite interesting seeing the way that it's outlined in the book I got more of a sense of a circle with Scrooge so it's like he starts Christmas alone mm-hmm. wishing he was a- not alone 
then it kind of goes full circle in like, oh, I've actually found friends and I've found cheer and parties and a relationship and someone who cares about me for me and not what I can provide and not what I have in my pocket. And then ends up with him being back alone again because he's become corrupted by money and greed. It's like he's done a full circle within this chapter and kind of ended up back where he started, but not for the same reason. Yeah, and, and now he's ended up back where he started, but worse off because he doesn't even have the, the joy of literature to accompany him. He's lost all sense of, mm-hmm. you know, ways to amuse himself. Mm. And that journey didn't really hit home in when I've watched it in films and stuff like that. I've, I've, I've noticed that a lot more with this book. Yeah, it, you don't really get the sense of like there's a slow degradation, do you? Um, no you just get a thing of like oh and then this happened and no and then this happened and then oh and then this he broke up with this girl and that was the that was the downward start of the downward spiral and that that's all you normally you can you can imagine having that like you'd almost want to have a scene with the father or just like that loneliness and it's interesting you do you do actually like feel sorry for him in this and i don't necessarily think i've ever got that from an adaptation definitely and what I also quite like, though, is as though you're saying you'd like a conversation with the father, it is amazing how just two sentences with his sister about the dad told you everything you needed to know about his relationship with his dad. Sure, yeah, yeah. So I've got spark notes up here. Spark notes. Some commentary spark on notes. this chapter. Mm. So in the allegory of A Christmas Carol, the ghost of Christmas past represents memory. The aged appearance of the childlike figure touches on the role of memory as a force that connects the different stages of a person's life. His glowing head suggests the illuminating power of the mind. Okay. So it's like telepathic kind of I'm unlocking your That's pretty yeah, mind, mind brain. On. Yeah. I guess that's, sure. I guess that's fairly I'll, I'll visual, exactly. isn't it? Okay, yeah. I'm gonna buy that. I I don't think that's conjecture. And also probably you could say is it a metaphor for shining lights on where it went wrong? That was the turning point in your yes. life. Yeah. yeah that sure. was the turning point in your life. And it was these crossroads that actually f- made you end up where you are now. Yeah. Particularly and I think Scrooge recognised that because he was looking at the boy under the counter going, Oh, I just wanna tell him like this is where it all goes wrong. Like the choices that you make today and affect your future happiness Mm. and annoyed at the fact that he can't impart that wisdom to his past self. Such a human thing. And he did sort of, the book really taps into that, that idea of us kind of going, Oh, if only I'd just known that then I wouldn't have done that thing. You know, everybody's had, Oh, if you could always, if you could speak to yourself aged five, what would you tell them? Like they do it on RuPaul's drag race. Um, to try and evoke some, <laughs> um, some sort of some sort of like emotion. So I think this is kind of where it comes to. It's, it's like what, drag what answers do people give on RuPaul's? Is it like start learning to walk in heels? No, as no, as it's, more, it's, it's more like you tell them. Don't let anybody tell you who you are or what you can be. You oh, okay. Just they go do, the emotional yeah. route. Okay, fair enough. No, that's fair enough. You that's must probably don't actually care what, they what anyone says than... to you. You need to learn to love yourself. And I think that's what's Rather than like, invest in Bitcoin <laughs> <laughs> and get out before the crash. What would you say to five yourself? Oh, the lottery numbers on that Saturday were 6, 24, yeah. 32, 21. Buy Apple shares. Yeah. Find out about this guy called Jeff Bezos. He's starting a business in his garage. Want <laughs> in as quickly as possible. Get him a fiver. So the ghost initiates Scrooge's conversion from anti-Christmas Grinch 
to a poster boy for the holiday season. Each episode in the montage of scenes shows a younger Scrooge who still possesses the ability to love, a person who is still in touch with his fellow human beings. And as the visions pass before him, Scrooge watches himself become ever more cold and greedy until the ultimate scenes. What's interesting, though, is that they don't actually say kind of why he ends up becoming greedy. Yeah. You have to kind of read between the lines with that, don't you? Because life seems to be quite good otherwise. I don't see why the money becomes such a fixation. I don't know. Like if you've had that loneliness and it's like the only thing that makes sense. Like a lot of people are fascinated by math. That is mathematics or economics and it's that fascinated and everything makes sense and everything has a rhyme and an order and a reason. And that's the only place that he can really rely on. And maybe, I don't know. It's the only thing. You can rely on mathematics. You can rely on that. Well, maybe also it's the daddy issues that we said before as well. Yeah. Maybe that's what drove it. Yeah. What's quite interesting, going back to Charles Dickens being the man who invented Christmas, is, is that he does this quite revolutionary thing of painting Christmas in a certain way. So I will just read what Sparknote says here, and it really made me go, huh, yeah, no, probably right. An important aspect of a Christmas carol is its modern view of Christmas as a joyous holiday rather than a solemn holy day. So it's almost like the beginning of the secularization of Christmas. Yeah, okay. Eschewing the religious ideas of austerity, the story promotes the more earthly values of universal brotherhood, communal good spirit, and prosperous celebration. It is not immoral to possess riches or to throw lavish Christmas parties or to enjoy a great feast, precisely because these things have the potential to spread joy and happiness, which is the purpose of the holiday season." So it's like he's almost rewritten what Christmas spirit is about rather than being meek and lowly and austere in your celebration and making it very churchy. He's opened that up to it's a time for family. It's a time for friends. It's a time for celebrating. It's a time for parties. It's a time for feasting. It's a time for excess, which is a very modern perception of Christmas. I think he's sort of taken it from Silent Night, Holy Light to fa la 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 Deck the Halls. <laughs> or Dick the Halls. <laughs> so if you've got any thoughts or opinions on this chapter, you can email us on thelazybookclub at gmail.com. Or you can deck your own halls on Twitter. I don't know if that makes <laughs> sense, but if you can make it make sense, our handle is at lazybookclubpod. Also, why not get in touch on Instagram? Could be stories, could be reels, could be posts, could be DMs. We're at Lazy Book Club Pod, whatever you're doing. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening. We hope you're enjoying this book so far. Please do like and share and subscribe and rate. It's a great time to share this podcast with other people because most people are looking for something to spread the Christmas cheer. And also, this seems to be a book. I've gotten a lot of messages from people saying, I've always meant to read that during Christmas. Get two, three chapters in, and then the Christmas season starts, and then I lose track of time. And then by the time I come back to it, it's New Year and it's past. So it's a great time to share this podcast and people can listen to this and listen to this while they're stuffing a turkey or wrapping presents. If you're really, really skint, you can say, I've given you the gift of this podcast. Exactly that. And you go, oh, that was thoughtful and it didn't cost you any money. Why don't you gift us this Christmas? Mm, an environmentally friendly Christmas present. Fa la 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 la. So, what's the next chapter? I'm guessing the spirit of Christmas present? No, we, no. Oh. 
in keeping okay, no in keeping me david <laughs> um, christmas <laughs> presents in keeping with the previous chapter stave three. stave 3 the second of the three spirits uh he's trying to keep sure. it secret as to what they all do we just That's know it. don't we? i'm giving too much away this what much. it is we'll see you next week for stave 3 hope you guys are all staying safe and enjoying the cold weather and we'll see you next week bye bye, bye. bye.